Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Book Goodies, the author series of podcasts. I'm your host, Deborah Carney, and I am joined today by author Mohanna. Hi, Mohanna. How are you? Hi, Deborah. Thanks for having me. Um, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about yourself? Okay. Well, my name is Mohanna Rajakumar, and um, people tend to be intimidated by that because there's a lot of A's when you see it in print. <laughs> um, but it's but I go by Mohanna, or kind of my online alias is Moha Doha. Okay. And that's because I've lived in Doha, Qatar, for the last seven years. Um, I was originally born in India, but moved to the states when I was very young, and then moved to Qatar in 2005. So I have, um, I have a degree in English literature, I preach in English literature, and so I teach. And I've done a lot of academic work and academic publications. But um, this year is my year of being in India. I've published six ebooks, uh, everything from memoir to novels, because I wanted to try something different from the academic and commercial publishers that I've used. Well, and that's very exciting because um, being that you are in academia and that you are, um, you know, you've written and taught, you know, literature, it's always fun for you to break loose and say, okay, it's time for me to do what I've been teaching other people to do. And yeah, absolutely. It's time to tell my stories. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. Um, now... Tell us a little bit about now, um, before we started recording, you told me a little bit about how you went down the traditional publishing route, um, attempted for your fiction, and then found that that wasn't a good fit for you. Can that explain? Can you explain that to us a little bit? Sure. Well, it's, it's crazy because, um, you know, my, my latest book that's out, it's, it's contemporary fiction, but I've been kind of calling it romance as a way of finding a niche uh, mm-hmm. readers group, you know, because that's so important. Even if you self-publish... It's, it's even more important because there's there's so many other people that you're competing against, um, both commercially and self-publishing, that you identify an audience. And in my, you know, kind of billing this as a contemporary multicultural romance, because it's, it's, it's a love triangle that happens overseas um, among three very different people, I wrote to a prominent um, writer who's fan I am on Facebook and I said would you mind um, blurbing this book for me because you know even though you're an indie that is, that means you have to do twice as much marketing in some in some cases and she said sure I'm really busy but send me a chapter and I'll and I'll see and she's so I sent her the chapter and she said wow this is good um, send me some more and so I sent her some more I sent her uh, three two more chapters and then she said this is really good. I'm going to speak to, you, um, to my agent. And, you know, this this project took me three years to write. Uh, I hired a professional editor, and then I even hired a professional copy editor after that. I mean, I put a lot of work into this book because I really believed in it. And I had queried, you know, people over the years, and I had even gone to a conference in New York last year and had 12 agents say, you know, send me, send me samples, send me queries, send me this and that and the other thing. And, um, and I did. And of course, over the course of the year from that year, from last July to this July, they all ended up declining. So 
you know, she says, I'll introduce you to my agent. And she did introduce me to her agent, which was so kind. And then I sent everything to the agent because she said that's what I should do. Even though the book's already been published, it's already up on Amazon. Right. And the agent wrote me back today and just said, thank you. That was it. That's it? <laughs> there wasn't, you know... Thank you, we're not taking clients. Thank you, this isn't what we're reading. Thank you, we'll read this and get back to you. Nothing. Like, yes. no indication of anything, you know. And, um, you know, I'm not picking on this agent because obviously, you know, her author introduced her to somebody that she doesn't know anything about. But um, that kind of reception from the commercial industry what really made me look at uh, self-publishing because I had actually worked for a publisher for three years. I worked for the Bloomsbury, a joint venture um, by Bloomsbury with Cutter Foundation here in Doha. And Bloomsbury, mm-hmm. of course, famous by Harry Potter and Elizabeth Gilbert and um, and a lot of other really high-profile Khalid Husseini writers. Um, so... You know, I, I've been on both sides of the desk. I've been both there as a writer and as a as a publisher. And, you know, the, the discussions that publishers and I imagine agents are having are all pretty similar. And they have to do with sales figures and, you know, all do those kinds. Do you kind fit of- their niche and do you fit their profile? And are you in their wheelhouse as far as what they're comfortable with? And... Um, you know, a lot of other things that authors don't think of, but you as a, you know, so when you work with a publishing house, you understand that, you know, you can't take every good book that comes through. And Yeah, yeah and even, you know, even books that, um, you know, certain people would champion would get shot down by the marketing people or get, you know, so the decisions felt very kind of arbitrary mm-hmm. um, to me. And so with everything that I knew about publishing, with my academic background in last August, actually, it's been almost a full year. Um, I set out, I had all, I've been writing for over 10 years. So I had short story collections and novels. I had a memoir. I had all these blog entries I had done. Um, while I was uh, pregnant with our first child for like kind of just what it's like to be a professional woman that's having a baby and being a first-time mother. Um, I had blogged for two years for the UK version of the writer's market. Oh, beautiful. Um, so I just had all this material, and I thought, okay, let's let's do a test. Um, and this other material was was in a much closer state of being ready for publication than the novel um, that just came out right a few weeks ago. So I I set up I made my own publication schedule and I, I learned how to make YouTube trailers and you know it's, it was a really actually a very enriching year in which I learned so many things about social media and cover design and um, you know building an author platform. Things I already thought I knew because I had a website, I had Twitter, I had Facebook, but really kind of galvanizing all of those towards my books, which I'm still learning a lot about. Yeah. Yeah. And you bring up an interesting point because I'm in internet marketing. I mean, that's what I do for a living is I um, help people sell things on the internet. And when it came to marketing my own books, I'm like, oh, I'll just toss it up here on Amazon. I'll do a little social media. You know, life will be great. And it's like, wait, what? Why Why isn't, you know, why am I not selling this out the door? What's going on here? 
um, you know, and you, you begin to realize, you know, like, you know, I tell people all the time, use videos and, you know, interact with your people on your websites and do this and do that. And I hadn't done all those things for myself. And you have to, and you have to change it because how you would do it for a client and you have to treat yourself as a client and sit down and look at yourself and say, okay, what would I tell someone else to do? And then I have to do it myself. So you're kind of in the same situation. You know what needs to be done, but you didn't always know the technical things behind it. And it was a great learning experience for you to pull all those things from your, you know, life before self-publishing and put them into your own self-publishing. Absolutely. And, you know, there's nothing like, uh, you know, preaching to yourself, (laughs) if you will, you know. You you really learn by doing. I mean, I had a website, I had a blog, and I had both of those things for about four years prior um, to launching these books. But you know, and I and I blogged once a week, uh, but you know, I, never on the same day, never really in a you know. And I use tag clusters and those kinds of things. But once once you get into the field of indie publishing, you realize like, okay, actually there's a lot to be gained from having um, a disciplined schedule. And a lot of people don't talk about discipline in writing, but if you don't have discipline, you're not going to get very far. And that's another really good point because a lot of the people I work with, myself included, are not people that like deadlines and schedules. And I'm really amazing myself with this series of podcasts because I literally hate schedules. I, I hate deadlines, hate schedules. Don't. Uh, there's only a couple people in the world that I will meet a deadline for. Um, and everybody else is like, yeah, okay, whatever. And um, in the last three weeks, I have had, you know, seven to eight podcasts scheduled every single day. And... I don't have a problem with that, and that's kind of scary to me <laughs> because that's you know something that I I just I just don't like. And discipline, you know, bringing discipline as a writer, a lot of writers don't realize that they are disciplined in a way, but it's because they're setting their own schedule. And when someone says you have to have a discipline, they're not they don't realize they are. And then other writers, of course, just you know write catch as catch can you know they just write whenever they feel like it and they don't do it every day and and they're not building their platform and those are the ones that are probably going to be just putting their books up and friends and family will purchase the book and that'll be about it yeah i i think it's it's so true that you know people think that artists are you know means you're kind of crazy and that you you don't have a schedule and you sleep erratically and all these kinds of things but if you look at people in, who've been in the industry for a time, long time like Murakami for example you know who mm-hmm. writes thousand page books um, I'm reading his memoir it's it's actually called what I talk about when I talk about running and it's actually his running memoir because he's run you know lots and lots of marathons and it's basically about how he became to be a marathon runner by accident and mm-hmm. You know that there's a lot of deliberate practice and thought, and um, I don't know. I don't know what in our culture, like the artist culture, makes us think that it's not hard work. <laughs> no, it makes other people think that it's not hard work. <laughs> yeah, but you know, we subscribe to you know. Also, there's all these things about like, well, Hemingway was a drunk, and so and so was this and that and the other thing, and maybe 
they're the exceptions, but they also worked really hard. You know, he would write 600 pages and then on page 601 say, oh, this is where my novel starts and right. throw the rest of it out, you know? Yeah. So. Well, and I think that goes to that uh, famous quote. I'm not sure who said it, um, but I'm sure someone will come in the comments and, and tell me. Uh, there's a fine line between genius and madness, you know, yeah. and which side of the line are you going to be on and how far are you going to push it? And um, I think that the writers that that understand that they're going into another world when they write and that they can come back from that world, those are the writers that are geniuses. The, the ones that go mad are the ones that let their uh, work or their stories overtake them. And um, I think that's, that's good to point out because um, sometimes writers are afraid to go into that extra depth because mm-hmm. they're uh, they're worried about crossing the line, and um, I think that you know as artists, you know most artists they do what they do and they don't consider it work. And the same thing with writers, they do what they do, but they enjoy it so much they don't consider it to be work. And that's what makes other people think that it's not hard and it's not work. Well, and it's like you said, you know, normally you have to be willing to do things that you wouldn't do otherwise for the sake of your work you know you're normally not a scheduled person um and you look forward to these like seven eight podcasts you know a day and so that's you know that's when you know that you're doing something i'm you're passionate about my students last semester um i had a couple students doing research with me on on a few of the books and between the teaching and the writing and you know i have a family and and someone was like, "You're, but you like to be crazy." And I said, "Yeah, but I don't. It's not that I like to be crazy. It's just that I don't have it, the choices between doing this and not doing it. That's a non-choice, right? You know? And that's when you know you're doing something because you love it. So, yes. exactly. Um, when I started out on deciding that I wanted to do a series of podcasts with writers, um, I put um, a, a query into the Help a Reporter Out um, newsletter that goes out uh-huh. three times a day. And that's where you found me. And I expected to get, oh, maybe 10, 20 people that would want to be on a podcast. And I got 77 responses. Wow. And out of those, there were people that were agents or small publisher, small publishing houses that um, had me talk to multiple authors. So I think by the end of the series, just from that Harrow um, query, I'm going to have over 100 interviews. And... The thing about the interviews is they're all so different and they're all so special. And every single person I have interviewed has been so creative and so fun to talk to that I want to keep doing them. <laughs> and and that's something I didn't expect. You know, I expected it to be fun and I love doing podcasts and I do several other podcasts on different topics. And this has just turned into a great learning experience for me. And I hope for our listeners, because the people that I get to talk to, someone like you, I would never have been able to contact. And it gives you a way to talk about your writing style and your decisions, which helps other people decide what they should be doing and understand that what they're doing isn't, isn't wrong. Like, you know, someone might be doing what you're doing. You know, they're a mom, they're working, they're writing, they're... You know, they're doing all these different things and people are telling them they're crazy. And yet, no, you're not crazy. It's something that you need to do and it's fun and you enjoy it. 
Well, and and that's just I mean, as a as a writer um, these days, I mean, you have to be open. You know, you have this idea about podcasts. You put it out there, and you you got an amazing response. And I really feel that social media has helped us do that. I mean, I I remember I was actually sitting on the couch that I'm sitting on now, talking to you when I saw. Uh, a post on Twitter about you know make your own book trailer. It's it's, it's really easy. That was sort of the title, yeah. and I always kind of favorite things when I want to go back and look at them later. And I read the guy's post, and it seemed straightforward enough. And I'm you know I was totally a PC user my whole life. I didn't know anything about the world of Mac, but I thought okay, let me let me give it a shot. We had some Mac computers down at the library, so I went down to the library and. You know, within an hour, I had made a 30-second book trailer. And that's the kind of, you know, you, you have to keep learning new things and, and kind of adapting to what you're, what you're doing in order to keep it fresh. Yep. And you have, to, you have to present information to people in the way they want it presented to them. So the reason why it's important to have YouTube trailers nowadays is because the new generation, the next generation behind us is, um, or behind you, I'm a few generations above you, um, <laughs> the next generation is using YouTube as their search engine. Mm -hmm. yep. And they want to connect with people more than just, you know, going to Google or Bing or whatever and, you know, seeing things in print. They want to go to YouTube and see somebody talking or hear somebody's voice or see something visual that relates to what they're looking for, even if it is a book. Yeah, I mean, I had, you know, the when I learned the lesson about YouTube was when um, I started a newsletter. So I, I started a newsletter about two months ago, and it's a two-column newsletter that pops up in your email, and four articles, you know, two in the top, two in the bottom. Right. And then it's through MailChimp, which is a free service, which is great. And so the great thing that MailChimp lets you do is, and I don't work for them or anything, right. but it's just amazing how many free tools are out there. I mean, it's completely free. And what it tells you is where people go from your newsletter. So what I found out from my first MailChimp newsletter mailer was that anyone that clicked, you know, I had four places you could click. Right. Um, 90% of them clicked on YouTube and you know of those 90% they watched at least one or more videos nice you that, know and, that's and really important YouTube to know just, yeah I mean it's so so now I know every time I do a newsletter I have to have something that's related to YouTube in there because mm -hmm. that's that's what people gravitate towards um, and I found myself doing it today I got a newsletter and, you know, I thought one of the articles was interesting, so I clicked through to the website, and I read the post, and I thought, you know, I just gave someone a stat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All of a sudden, you're like, hmm, if I click on this, they'll think I like it. <laughs> it yeah. Kinda, it kind of, but most people don't think like that. They just open a newsletter and either trash it or click on something. And, you know, it's really interesting to follow and see what it is they click on. So that's something interesting I didn't know about MailChimp. Um, I, I am familiar with the service, and like you said, you're not related to it or anything. It just happens to be a really cool. It's free to a point, and when you're just starting out, that mm. free access is going to be very, very important to you. And then, you know, when you're ready to grow, you can go into one of their paid packages. But 
um, it's it's still a very powerful tool for you to uh, to start out with. And every writer should have a newsletter because first of all, you're a writer. You should be able to put content in a newsletter. <laughs> Right. And second of all, you need some place for people to, once they've hit your website or your social media or whatever, that they can go where you have their information. So if they like your fan, your Facebook fan page or they follow you on Twitter, you know, the rules can change on any of those sites at any point. And you need to have them be pointed to something that you are in control of so that you have the ability to contact people who have expressed an interest in your writing to be able to say, hey, here's my, you know, here's my blog posts, and oh, by the way, here's my new book, what do you think? And, you know, I'll give away five copies to the first, you know, five people that, that contact me that will promise me to do a review, and, you know, it gives you a way to reach out and engage your audience. Um, and in the world of such, uh, such fractured social media, there's so much social media out there, you need to have a place that's home base where you can send people so that they, you know, they'll say, they don't have to say to themselves, I found this really cool author and I don't remember where it was. Exactly. Well, and as you were saying, you know, if you're a writer, you can, you should be able to generate a newsletter. Actually, the newsletter is also a great way for you to keep track of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I find my newsletter, I think like, oh, yeah, okay, I know I have a newsletter coming out. What am I going to put in it? And then it actually makes you get out there and do stuff, mm-hmm. you know, so that you that you will have stuff to talk about. Um, and I think that's really the key part that a lot of people are missing out at these conferences and, the you know, these other blog posts and stuff. And it's great. I mean, Kindle and Amazon, Smashwords, Nook, I mean, whatever you're publishing to – uh, it is important to know how to format and to and even the writing. That's obviously the most important part. You have to have a good product, but I don't think people talk enough about how the patience that you have to have. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's kind of where I am right now. You know, it's been a year. This is the one. This book I actually released all the other books. You know, kind of a month and a month and a half at a time in order to build test out the newsletter, the book trailers, the website. Um, grow my Twitter following from a thousand to it's about 6,200 now, I think, you know, all of that takes time. And that's the thing that nobody, we really don't talk about enough. Um, yeah. People think that they finish, uh, they finish a manuscript and boom, they should just put it up and they skip the parts that you did where you had a professional editor come in and you had a copy editor come in after the other editor came in and then you had a, um, you know, you have a, a professionally developed book cover, and you did all the things a publisher would do, and then you put the book up there. Whereas there's a lot of, um, you had the patience to go through the steps. Where there's a lot of people, me included, you know, you get a good idea, you put together a book, and you can have it on on Amazon in like 24 hours. And can you do it? Yeah. Should you do it? Uh, probably not. <laughs> right. You know, that first version of your book isn't going to be the one. And then as soon as you put it up, it's not going to sell. That's the other place where uh, patience, you know, has to come in is that don't think you're a failure because you don't sell immediately when you go up on Amazon because then comes the marketing part. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think it's, I mean, we're all guilty of that, that rush when you hit, um, 
you know, upload and then, and then you get the email that says like, your book is now available, you know? Uh, but it's definitely, and you know, despite going through all those steps, I still like this morning, I got a message from a reviewer who was like, you know, this is a great book, but I think it could have used some more copy editing. I'm like, are you serious? (laughs) You know, (laughs) how much editing this book has been through. Um, but I think she commented on one of my books, too, that I had thoroughly copy edited. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, but, but that's the reader's experience, and you kind of have to take it on board, and, you know, you have to, you have to realize that if this, is what you're, if this is what you're doing, then this is what you're in for, right. you know? Um, and that, that is the beauty, I will say, of ebooks is that I was able to open up the last document, you know, change a few things, not everything that I agree with, but the things that I agreed with. And then I sent it off to, um, the editor, mm-hmm. you know? So there, there's a, there's an upside and a downside, but the patience that's required is, is, is not for the faint of heart. I mean, mm-hmm. you would think if you can sit down and write a book and commit to it, you'd have enough patience to, um, for the marketing and all of that, but I don't know. I don't know if if everyone does. Um, and a lot of people don't because they don't understand the marketing part. They think Amazon does all the marketing for them. Smashwords does all the marketing for them. Lulu does all the marketing for them. And even people who are published by a traditional publishing house, they think that publishing house is going to do all the marketing for them. And in today's economy, they've cut way back on marketing. So I've heard from numerous um, authors that, you know, when they uh, query a publishing house, big or small, one of the things they get back is how are you going to market your book? What's your platform? What do you bring to the table if we publish your book? And in the past, that wasn't part of the equation. (laughs) And so writers are getting an eye-opening experience. And... You know, people who are really good writers are not may not be really good marketers, and that's where you need to um, either you need to learn how to do this stuff yourself, or you have to you know reach out to other people. You know, maybe a co-op you know writing group where you can help uh, promote each other's things on your websites, or you know, there's a there's a lot of creative ways that if you don't know how to market, that you can figure out how to get involved with people that do market and um, maybe trade services or um, find services from somebody that is not that expensive because, you know, and you can um, help them build their portfolio by, you know, having them. But don't cut corners either because if you want to be a success, you got to have, like you said, if you don't have editors, it's an expense that you can't skip. You know, you've, you've got to do it because you're too close to your book and your friends and family are probably going to be too close to your book because even though they may say they're, you know, being critical or whatever, they hear your voice in the book and they can relate to things that you have in the book that other people might not be able to relate to. Yeah, and or, or, uh, or you have my family who they just really don't care. You know, I mean, it's not that they don't care, but, you know, I was just at home... Um, and you know, I saw my brother and he, he said to me in this restaurant, Oh, so you published a book. And I, I turned to my husband, my brother, and my husband are really good friends. And I said, you better get him away from me because <laughs> his life is in danger, mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, you're like, mom, 
did you did you hit like on my Amazon page? You know, she's like, oh yeah, I meant to do that, but I've been really busy. You know, so it's like, mom, it's a click. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you have to believe in yourself because the it, and what's really interesting about indies is that the people that you think you know your family, your friends, they're not necessarily the ones that um, come come around. Right. You know. Um, and that's that's the beauty of books as well is that you get to make. I mean, I've I've met some amazing people through the um, just through the indie world through Twitter and everything, mm-hmm. um, and and it's really other people who who end up believing in the stories that you're telling, believing what you're doing, and you you kind of develop this community of of support, and and that does. That does take time, and you get better and better at it. I just read um, John Locke's book, not the guy from Lost, but mm-hmm. the real John Locke, the writer. Yeah. The the I think he was the second guy to sell a million copies on Kindle. Okay, um, and he talks a lot about that, about cultivating relationships, um, and and then cult- and turning those relationships over into fans. Yes. Uh, and and it's it's like any other industry, you know. You never know who you talk to today on Twitter or on Facebook or even the people that I've been interviewing in this author ther- series. You know, mm-hmm. I get a I got an email back, and you know, I read about what they were doing, and I asked them to be on the podcast, and then they scheduled or their publicist scheduled, and I didn't think anything about it. And then I start talking to these folks who I've never heard of before. And all of a sudden, it's it's a celebrity. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm glad I didn't know that before I started the podcast because maybe I would have treated you differently. But it's like, you know, you don't know who's going to be the person that you're talking to that, you know, you're, you don't really pay attention to what their reach is. And then all of a sudden you find out it's somebody with a million Twitter followers that's going to get you all kinds of attention and traffic to your website. And you you always have to uh, you have to be nice and you have to be respectful and even if you disagree with someone or like you said you got a negative review you know you can respond back to that with thank you you know we'll check into it and, and make sure that you know everything is ship shape and um, you know you don't blast them back and say I had this edited and copy edited five times what the hell are you talking about. <laughs> You know, because that could be your next cheerleader if if they think that that you're listening to them and paying attention to them too. No, absolutely. And you know, it's like I when I saw that review, I just thought, okay, well, you know what? She she still gave me five stars, so it wasn't like she was you know being punitive or anything. Um, and I thought, okay, well, fair enough. I mean, this is this is my second novel, so I'm still learning. I'm I'm still you know figuring out. How, how it works and um, and 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 it was funny because this per- particular person I had actually asked her for my uh, editorial uh, I had asked her for some editorial context so I just I did kind of have to get in there and say you know it was the person I did work with the person that you recommended so <laughs> I just want you to know I'm taking this seriously so right you have to you have to have thick skin and you have to be able to to take feedback. Yep. And not take it personally. 
because they're not beating you up. They're beating the book up and something technical about the book. Not exactly. something about, oh, I hate your character. You know, it's just something that, you know, um, they, they, they like your character. She gave you a five-star rating. They like your character. They like your style of writing. They just found a couple things that weren't how they thought they were supposed to be in the, you know, punctuation and grammar. Yeah. And it wasn't even that in this particular case. It had to do with, um, with timeline. Ah, so you, okay. But, Very important. Yeah. Now, in your writing process, when you're writing your novels, are you using, do you use like an outline or are you um, a seat of your pants kind of writer or do you have ideas and, and you storyboard them? What, what kind of structure do you use when you're writing? Well, I definitely am. I'm not a kind of seat of the pants uh, writer unless I get into a scene. Right. Uh, and then in this then sometimes you you never know what's going to happen within the scene itself but i do i do generally have a story usually my projects start with a question so this book started with a question you know how are people of this generation going to find love like in the world in general mm-hmm. uh, you know people that come from similar cultural backgrounds to where i you know i grew up as a you know, South Asian girl in, in the U.S., and I had parents that had very different ideas about what love meant and what uh, happiness and, and all its success, all those kinds of things. And then because I was living in Qatar, I was really particularly interested in Qatari society and Qatari young people. Mm-hmm. And so the intersection of all those things that became became this book. Um so I kind of start with a central question. Usually one or two characters will will kind of emerge, and then I, I pretty much know what the trajectory is going to be, you know. I know that the that that there'll be the strong female protagonist who the male, you know, protagonist will fall in love with, and then there'll be a complication. What I didn't realize with this book in particular, and this is when sort of like you get in there and you start writing, and then you, things just don't feel like they're working. I started the book at one place. Um, actually, a part of the book takes place um, in London during the Olympics that are coming up. Okay. So I, I started the book there, and then it just didn't feel right. So then I had to back up and add an entire new section that was the start of the book that I hadn't planned on, that was in no outline, that wasn't um, really thought of at all about in Qatar. So I thought, actually, no, this book has to start in Qatar. The, the readers need to understand what all the forces are at play. So when Abdullah, one of the main characters, shows up in London, you know, at the height of the Olympics and has nowhere else to stay and is in this apartment in close confines with um, his fiance's roommate and his fiance is nowhere to be found, mm-hmm. the reader knows, okay, something big is going to happen. Mm-hmm. So I do a little bit of both. I mean, I, I, I'm not like a rigid outline, but there's some people who outline and then that's basically their entire book. Mm-hmm. Uh, I use the outline as a as kind of a guide so that I can get to the story easier. That's what I like. And I love that you said, and again, like I said, interviewing so many different authors, somebody has something different to say. No one has said, I start my book with a question. And that is uh, perfect because when you start with a question – you know where you want to end up and you know what you want to answer and then you have a loose outline 
that allows you the freedom to, as the story develops, change it. You know, like you did. You you started one place and you went back and started somewhere else where a more rigid author would be, no, I'm not going to do that. And, you know, they may or may not go on to write a successful novel, but with your flexibility, you knew where, um, you know, you knew where you needed to be. And that's, that, I think that's very good advice for people, you know, answering a question because every book has a story and, um, well, of course, because they are stories, but every book has a purpose and you already know the purpose of your book before you start writing. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. And I think it has, if it's not interesting to the writer, it's not going to be interesting to the reader. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't write it just because, you know, write it because you, you have a purpose and you're emotionally tied to it. If you're not emotionally tied to it, other people are not going to feel it and they're not going to be emotionally tied to it either. Exactly. So, all right. Well, uh, Mohanna, this has been a great interview. Thank you so much for spending your time with me. Um, do you have any parting thoughts for aspiring writers out there? Um, just what would you tell someone that came up to you? I mean, you do teach. So, you know, what, what are some of the first things that you tell people? I always, I tend to, I'm pretty harsh. I mean, I'm not harsh in the sense that I'm, I'm mean and I, you know, like, oh, do you really have a story to tell? But I'm, I'm pretty harsh in the sense that I ask people to be really honest with themselves about what it is that they want out of writing. Because, you know, oftentimes, you know, people will say, oh, I just, I just want to publish a book. And then suddenly <laughs> they're, they're talking about, you know, ways to get paid for publishing. I'm like, okay, wait a minute, which is it? You know, do you want to publish a book or do you want to make money? Because those are two very different things. <laughs> totally. Um, you know, and often and people, I kind of get in trouble sometimes for saying that, but it's it's the truth. And I think especially writing is sort of like getting married. You know, the, the there's a huge industry out there that will take you for a ride if you let them, you know. Um, you could get married just going down to the courthouse and being done with it, or you can have this huge, you know, like Kim Kardashian style. <laughs> but, you know, it's up to you. So I really ask people to be honest with themselves. Like, why, why are you writing? Is it to tell a family story? Is it to show... I mean, for me, the, the, the way I answer this question is because I don't feel that anyone else... And I don't mean this in, like, an arrogant way, but I don't really feel that anyone else is telling the type of stories that I'm telling. You know, people, if they're writing about the Middle East, they're writing about it as, you know, an expat from afar... Or they're writing about it like kind of in a nostalgic, you know, like the Kite Runner, for example. Um, you know, people aren't writing about the Middle East right now as it's happening right now to right. real people. Um, and that's why I'm writing. So I say be really honest about what, why you're writing, who you're writing for. You know, I'm writing for that person out there that would love to travel, might not have the time or the resources or, you know, have other considerations. And so they do it through books and what you want to get out of it, you know. And so for me right now, it's about giving these books the right to kind of exist that agents and other people have denied them. Um, and obviously there's a longer term plan, but for the short term, I know these are the three reasons why I'm doing it. And that's why all the choices that I make make sense. 
but often when people are honest with themselves, that's when you get the kind of stopping and starting and the, you know, I'm writing a paranormal, erotic, uh, or dark urban fantasy, or, you know, like people, <laughs> what, what is it, just stop and ask yourself, what is it that you're really trying to say, and uh, what is the story that you're trying to tell, and why? Yeah. And if you can answer those questions, then I think um, you've done yourself a huge, huge service. And then you can go from there. Exactly. That's that's perfect. And I, you know, I mean that that's it. You you just wrapped it up in a nutshell. So, um, Mohana, where can where can people find you on the internet? A lot of people that listen to our podcasts listen to them you know, via iTunes or on an iPod and they're not necessarily next to their computers. Um, what, where can people go and, and find you, um, and kind of spell out, you know, where they, where they are. Sure. Well, I think the easiest thing to do, even if you're not on, on Twitter, um, the, the fastest Google search will be, uh, the Twitter one. So, which is just the at symbol, Moha, M-O-H-A underscore Doha, D-O-H-A. So if you Google that, um, you'll get my website. I have a Facebook page. I'm on Pinterest. There's lots of lots of ways for you to, to follow up with me. Or if you go to Amazon, um, you can, because all my books are in the KDP Select program, um, you can just uh put in love comes later and that's my latest release that's the the love triangle saying guitar i'm gonna go borrow your book (laughs) please do and drop me a line let me know what you thought well and what people might not know about the kdp select is that um if you are an amazon prime member and you have an amazon kindle you can borrow a book and um you know take your time reading it and, and when you're done reading it you have to give it back but um, by borrowing the book, um, the author still makes money. And last month it was two bucks. And, you know, some books are priced in a way that the author makes more money if you borrow it than if you bought it. So, you know, there's 99 cent books out there that get borrowed and, and people made two bucks off of them. So if you're on Kindle um, and you want to be, you want to allow uh, Amazon to be your exclusive a uh, place to find your book for uh, 90 day chunks of time, you know, people can borrow your books and read them. And then, Hey, you know, if I like a book after I borrow it, I'm going to buy it. So yeah. it gives people well, a nice way to, to get, get your book and get to know your writing. And absolutely. And, you know, even, even if someone borrows a book, they return it, but they write a review that, yeah. I mean, you know, we could talk for hours about how hard reviews are to get, and that that alone is is worth you know the the opportunity to borrow. Yep, that's that's excellent. Um, and also uh, for KDP Select uh, people, if you go to authors, if you go to um, bookgoodies.com, where this uh, podcast will be posted, up at the top there is a tell us about your free Kindle days, so that you can go pop in there and tell us when your books are going to be free to download for the people that. You know, maybe you get a couple hundred downloads, and maybe out of that, five or six people do a review. And you know, KDP Select gives you the option of having your book free for five days during that ninety-day period. And I found that to be very successful to get um, to get reviews. 
um, and get your hands into the people that, you know, when you have a free day, let them know, you know, it's well, free. Well, I will be doing that on Friday then. <laughs> All right. <laughs> some free days coming up, so you'll be seeing me again. Definitely. Um, well, like I said, this has been a really great interview. I hope that we can um, talk to you again in the future, follow up with you and see how you're doing. And um, if you have any topics that you want to share with our readers, we can, speci- we can do specialty topics with you as well. Um, for those awesome. of, yeah, for those of you listening, you can go to bookgoodies.com, B-O-O-K-G-O-O-D-I-E-S.com. And like I said, at the top of the page, you can tell us when your Kindle book is free. There's a link to um, tell us about your book so that you can put your book information on our website. And there's also a place where you can offer to be either a podcast guest or give us a topic that you would like to have uh, have me go out and find people to talk to about. And uh, we've, you know, we have a lot of really great authors in our podcast series that can cover a variety of topics, and we'd love to hear from our listeners what it is you want to hear. And also do a search for Mohana on our website. Mohana, sorry. That's okay. <laughs> Mohana on our website, and you'll find the podcast with the show notes, which will have um, all the information and links to to her social media and to her Twitter and and her book. So um, thanks, everybody, for listening. We want to thank um, geekcast.fm for hosting all of our podcasts. And you can head on over there if you want to find other books, um, other podcasts about our authors and about Internet marketing and marketing in general. And if you want to find out more about me, you can go to DebraCarney.com. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much, Mohanna, for being with us and sharing your time and knowledge with us. And everybody, get writing and have a great day. Great. Thanks, Deborah. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure.